Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the September edition of the uh, Construction uh, Workers' Compensation webinar coming here to you live from Lois Law Firm. Uh, my name is Tashia Rasool. I am a partner here at Lois Law Firm. I oversee the construction defense uh, practice group here where the attorneys and paralegals handle only workers' compensation claims that arise out of construction accidents. If you're here uh, for this webinar for the very first time, welcome. I hope you continue to follow me every month. I uh, have a brief talk about uh, what I consider a very important topic in uh, workers' compensation claims that arise um, from accidents on construction sites. And if you've been following me for the last couple of years, thank you for continuing to do so. Um, today we're going to talk about settlements. Uh, so settling the workers' compensation and the general liability claim at the same time. This is actually one of the reasons we focus on um, uh, coordinating between the workers' comp and the GL defense is to ensure that we can come up with a settlement that saves the client's exposure. So we'll talk about that today. And um, we'll talk about also, I'll go into details about how global settlements reduce exposure for you. I'll crunch some numbers. I can promise that I'll go into a lot of detail because I might um, lose you at some point because of the details, but there are slides. Um, if you're interested in them, just send me an email after and they'll have all of the explanations on them. And as a reminder, it's a live webinar, so feel free to ask questions in the end. Um, if I have time left, I will answer the questions, and if not, feel free to uh, email me and I'll get back to you also. This is what the questions box will look like at the end, so type your question there and they should be popping up in my end. Alright, so let's do a quick recap of uh, dual jurisdiction claims. So one of the things that we focus on, actually the main thing that I focus on is uh, coordinating between the workers' comp and the general liability claim. As you know, the claimant can bring both claims. They're completely different jurisdictions. They move at completely different pace. Guess what? The workers' comp is much faster than the GL claim. Um, however, the, the claimant can only sue his or her employer um, under workers' compensation law, and then he files a general liability or third-party claim against everyone else he claims is responsible for the accident. So the majority of the cases that we see that we handle over here are for uh, wrap-up clients, which means that there is one common owner um, or one common uh, contractor for the CSIPs and usually one carrier. So the coordination and sharing uh, information to the extent that's permissible by law and the privileges and so forth um, is something that's very common. It's something we do very often. And the main goal is to reduce exposure for the common owner, right? The one who's paying out on both sides, both the workers' comp and the general liability side. The one carrier still plays two roles though. You know, it's, it's still split up into the workers' comp carrier and the general liability carrier. Just for the ease of things, uh, it's, it's separated like that. One would have, um, they would have two separate adjusters. Uh, the information is kept separate and apart. It's only shared if there are releases, um, if there's a proper su subpoena and so forth. It has to be kept separately. 
However, the owner is privy to information on both sides, and this is where the collaboration could and does occur. Lien recovery is still applicable. This is something we should definitely keep in mind. All of the money that's paid out in the workers' compensation claim does not go, go to, I guess, go to waste under um, a situation where we're doing global settlement. So let's keep that in mind, and we'll talk about that a little today and how it works out. So before we get into the settlements and how to calculate the exposure and so forth, let's do a little recap on Kelly, Burns, and Bissell. This is everyone's favorite uh, topic. Um, you know, we get so many questions about it. Sometimes it gets a little tricky, but the reason I'm going to do this recap is because when you're calculating your exposure on the workers' comp side and the general liability side and you're thinking about going uh, entering into a global settlement, it's important to do the calculations based on the Kelly, Burns, and Bissell. Uh, the reason is because that would be your exposure were there not to be a Section 32 settlement, where the workers' compensation claim to remain open. Um, to begin with, Kelly, this is, uh, th this is the one that says, so there are two potential benefits from settlements of third-party actions. The first one is, reimbursement of the current lien, which is the indemnity and the medical benefits paid to date, less the percentage of the litigation costs, which roughly is about one third. So if you paid out $100,000 in the claim to date, which includes both indemnity and medical, uh, you would be entitled to recover about $66,000 of that $100,000. And the other situation is where the workers' compensation carrier would be responsible for ongoing benefits. So there's a CCP on the claim. You can take a credit against the payment of these benefits until the third-party settlement is exhausted. This is commonly referred to as a holiday, meaning you're taking a holiday from making the full payments. Burns, this is the one that's commonly thrown around when we're talking about the workers' compensation claim the settlement, or in general, the lien reimbursement. Burns stand for the premise that um, the, the, the recoverable liens have to be calculated uh, across the board evenly. So Burns outlines how the calculations are made when the future benefits are uh, speculative. So what does this mean? It means that they cannot be definitely determined at the time of settlement. For example, in situations where ongoing payments are being made um, as, as a temporary disability uh, benefits, uh, permanent total disability benefits, reduced earnings benefits, these are not definite uh, numbers of weeks or years that you're issuing the payments because the claimant may return to work even if you're paying uh, temporary disability benefits. Even if you're paying reduced earnings, the claimant may return to work uh, at his uh, pre-injury earnings, and so we don't know if or when that's going to happen. So this is when Burns comes into play. You'd be paying at the Burns rate uh, until, you're, until the, the net settlement has been exhausted. And this is usually the one-third. Uh, your, your lien would be reduced by one-third. And so, um, Generally, it's uh, it 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 might be like a little more than it might be like 34.2 percent, 34.3 percent. It might be a little less, 
but for the purposes of the wrap-up um, situation where we're trying to do the global settlement, we would go with a straight 33 and one-third. All right, so I spoke ahead of the slides. Uh, so then we have Bissell. The worker, so Bissell pertains to the actual medical portion. The workers' comp carrier would be liable for its equitable share of uh, litigation costs when it comes to the future medicals also. And it's typically at the burns rate. So whatever the cost is, less about one-third, that's what you'd be responsible for. Now, why is it important that we know um, how to calculate uh, the burns rate and taking credit against uh, medical payments going forward. It's because that's what your true exposure would be and that's something you should be taking into consideration when considering a global settlement because that's all the claimants would deserve, right? You don't want to be calculating using the total uh, cost or the total payments in, when you're negotiating a settlement, you want to do it at the reduced payments so as to ensure the claimant doesn't really get more than he really deserves. Okay, so now that we've, we've got that under our belt, let's talk about the consent to settle. In the wrap-up situation, we still need formal consent. Sometimes it's not as formal because if we go to a mediation and your workers' comp defense attorney is there, the GL defense uh, attorney is there, the adjusters and both sides are there. We're there to negotiate a global settlement. So it's sort of implied consent when you're there. However, it is our practice and it really should be your practice also to draft up a formal consent letter with all of the terms of the resolution um, and have the claimant sign it, have his attorney sign it. We even ask the workers' compensation attorney to sign it especially when we're actually entering into a Section 32 settlement. The adversaries that we work with, they are used to this by now. We never get pushback as to why we need this formal consent letter. They actually know that they need it in order to release the claimant's funds. So WCL Section 29.5 requires the carrier's written consent, and that's, why, that's, that's the main reason why we do it in, um, in writing. It's usually, um, it, it, so it could usually, it, it's, it's usually just a couple of sentences saying we consent to settlement of the third party uh, settlement, but if you have seen one of ours, it details all of the terms, um, including what's going to happen if the claimant pulls out of the section 32 settlement, if there's a full lien waiver, a partial lien waiver, um, how the payments are going to be made, who the check has to go to, go to. We make it very detailed so there's no misunderstanding and no confusion. So example of settlement, consent to settle contingencies. So these are the two main ones. We would say, all right, we'll consent to you settling your third party claim for $2 million. However, we would like a section 32 along with it. And it could be either a full lien waiver or a partial lien waiver. When you're doing the Section 32s, even if you're doing um, the, the, like a, a full lien waiver, a partial lien waiver, and no fresh money is moving, just keep in mind when you do the Section 32 documents, you have to include in there that the consideration for the Section 32 is the waiver of the uh, recoverable lien. 
the Workers' Compensation Board will not um, approve a Section 32 as technically $0 Section 32. Um, so these ones, are they're really not a $0. It's really the lien waiver that's the compensation. So make sure that's clear in order to uh, prevent any issues with getting your Section 32 approved by the board. So in, in the rare case that you don't get a Section 32 settlement out of this, the parties may walk out of the negotiations with a full or a partial lien waiver and then working out something with the ongoing rate. However, I rarely see that the grand majority of times we walk out of there with a Section 32 settlement. So best practices for global settlements. Now, you know, we talk about coordination, coordination, coordination. Like that's that's the best practice. The numbers have to be crunched. The parties have to be talking to each other. We need to know how much is being uh, put aside on the GL claim for the settlements. We need to know what it is for the workers' compensation settlements. And we need to have a pretty sound idea of what your potential exposure on the workers' compensation claim is going to be. This is how we're going to know that it's beneficial to do the global settlement. To date, I have not seen a situation where it was not beneficial to close out the workers' comp claim uh, via Section 32. At the same time, you're closing out the general liability claim. And it's really because in these construction claims especially, the claimants are undergoing surgery after surgery. They're asking for permanent total disability at the, 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 the board level. And because of this uh, potential exposure, it always works out cheaper to just close it out. You close out your future medical uh, exposure and get rid of both cases at the same time. There are a few situations where even though we're doing the coordination, fresh money may need to move in the workers' comp side. Again, this depends on what's going on in the case, the lien, and the amount of the third-party settlement. If it's a small third-party settlement and not a lot has happened in the workers' compensation claim, but the, the claimant um, would be willing to close out the section of the workers' comp for a small amount, it might be prudent to just have some fresh money moving to the claimant just to quickly resolve the claim because we know the longer a claim is open, it, it, it doesn't get better. These claims don't get better with age. All right, so these are the, the slides I was talking about in the very beginning. Um, they're, they're kind of small, so I hope you'll be able to see. But I just wanted to show you how exactly the savings are. So the first one is an example of settlement where there's no coordination. So you close out your general liability claim for, or your civil action as it's, as it's noted there, for $1.5 million. And then in the workers' comp, you've incurred 25,000 medicals, 25,000 indemnity, and um, an anticipated LWIC of $250,000. Um, at the end of the day, when you're calculating, adding up the numbers in the workers' comp side, you're going to be spending uh, more altogether. So remember, let's take it back a step. You're the common owner. You're the owner of this project. You're paying out in both the workers' comp and the general liability side. No coordination. In this example, you will be paying out $1.6 million plus keeping the medicals open because we're not closing out the workers' comp claim. The claimant could get another surgery or two. Um, he'll continue receiving his benefits. He'll get all of his treatment and so forth, and you'll be responsible for that. 
So no coordination, this is what it would look like. Here's an example of a settlement where there's a general liability and a section 32 settlement going on. Um, this one, similar numbers, civil action is settled for $1.5 million, workers' comp, we do um, the medicals and indemnity are $25,000 each. Uh, the reimbursement would be $200,000 if we were to do uh, a Section 32 that would cost about $250,000. And your total exposure would be uh, $1.6 million plus um, I'm sorry, with no future medical exposure because the Section 32 is going to close up both the indemnity and the medicals. Um, and then the total received by the claimant at the time of settlement would be $1.1 million. That's taken into consideration. His attorney's fees are going to come out of there also. The, the final example I have here is uh, general liability in a Section 32 with a full lien waiver. So let's go back to the, the previous slide. This one was, was um, the $200,000 reimbursement. You're actually getting uh, reimbursed in this particular situation. Here, oops. Here you're doing a full lien waiver. So the amount that was paid out for the indemnity and the medicals, you're gonna say, all right, we'll waive that amount, okay? The civil action is $1.5 million. And after um, doing the math on both sides, you'll see here it's also just about $1.6 million, no future medicals. The claimant's going to get $1.1 million. So it can be done both ways. You can do either the fresh money move in the workers' comp, but you're doing the Section 32, or you're doing the lien waiver and the Section 32. Note with the fresh money moving in this uh example would be the the reimbursement, the lien reimbursement. And here you're just saying take the lien reimbursement and we'll do a section 32. So it's really just a matter of semantics between these two examples. One of them we're taking the money back and then giving it to the claimant and the workers comp side and the other we're just doing a full lien waiver. All right, if you have any questions about these calculations feel free to let me know in the end. Okay, so some practical advice for global settlements. Consider whether a Medicare set-aside is necessary. I feel like it's almost always necessary because the claimants are on SSDB, and then they're on it for about two years, um, even if they're not of age to receive Medicare benefits, and then they become eligible, so an MSA becomes an issue. Then consider having the MSA done on the GL side from the claimant's GL proceeds. I've seen this done, and we actually recommend this in all of our cases, but I've actually seen this done on the workers' comp side, and it delayed the closure of the case. So what happened was the, the carrier wanted to do it on the workers' comp side in order to, um, to ensure it was done and it was done properly. And it was, however, because of issues with the documentation, and uh, waiting for CMS approval. It's one that actually needed CMS approval. The Section 32 got delayed by months, and they continued paying the claimant because that was part of the, the agreement. So we always recommend, and it's much smoother, if part of the negotiations at the time of mediation is that the claimant uh, gets the MSA from his settlement proceeds. His attorney is going to help him figure that out. And then in our Section 32 documents, we just make a note in there that 
the claimant agrees that he is going to, to set up an MSA account from the proceeds of his third-party claim, and that covers our uh, liability for an MSA on the workers' comp side. Um, when, so, so when the MSA is necessary, so something to keep in mind is that on the GL side, the attorney's fees are calculated using the MSA as a basis. However, on the workers' comp side, uh, the attorneys cannot use the MSA amount to calculate their fees, and this is why sometimes we also run into hurdles with settling the workers' comp claim, because if we're doing a zero dollar, so I should say, quote-unquote zero dollar, I know I just said that there's really no zero dollar section 32, but if we're doing a global settlement where there's a full waiver and nothing new is moving to the claimant, the claimant's attorney on the workers' comp side might be a little hesitant to, to do the settlement because they're not getting a fee out of it if they don't have a fee arrangement with the claimant's GL attorney, right? So, and, and so even if we say, okay, we'll do the MSA on the workers' comp side, that that helps no one because they can't take a fee out of that also. So all of this is usually discussed behind the doors. Um, it's, it's not something that it's part of a negotiation as to who's going to get the fee and where the fee is going to come from, but it's good to know that it would be uh, better to do the MSA on the GL side so we don't in, uh, run into any attorney fee issue on the workers' comp side. Okay, so that's it for today. Um, that's my... Uh, spiel about why we should be doing global settlements, especially with these wrap-up uh, clients, construction clients. Um, I do think at the end of the day, it saves the clients money and it uh, it closes out both claims at the same time. So there's no uh, risk for the claimant to undergo another surgery and claim additional lost time or seek to be reclassified or anything like that. And the, the owner and the insurance carrier is done with this claimant once and for all at the same time. If you have any questions, put them into the box. I'll take a look. Um, if you think of any later or need any um, clarification with regards to how to do the calculations, I know I did run through them very quickly. Feel free to give me a call or send me a message. Next month, we're going to talk about coverage disputes. This is one of my favorite topics. It's one of my favorite um, kinds of trials in court. Uh, these insurance policies, the wrap-up versus non-wrap-up, and see how much the board does not know how these things work. Um, I just find pleasure in it. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to next month's uh, session. Feel free to join me. Feel free to pass the word on to have others join. And um, as always, I'm taking suggestions for topics. If there's something you want me to talk about more, um, I will be happy to do so. Last year, I got a lot of requests for a Kelly Burns um, webinar, and I think last November, it was focused on Kelly and Burns. So if you'd like me to do that again this year, I could squeeze it in, but any topic you have, please let me know. All right, so let's take a look at the questions. All right, I don't see any questions. And I'd like to say that my technology is good, so maybe you don't have any questions for me today. All right, well, if you think of any, feel free, give me a call, send me a message, and if you need a copy of the slides, let me know and I'll get them to you also. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the last couple of weeks of summer, and I'll see you here next month.